0: Welcome to the Advent Houston Podcast. At Advent, our mission is to embrace, embody, and extend the grace of Jesus Christ to the Texas Medical Center, Rice University, and the surrounding neighborhood. We're glad that you're here with us today. Welcome again. Man, we have a lot of kids in here because it got empty uh, with adventurers, but uh, we're so glad that y'all are here with us. If I haven't met you before, my name is Taylor Leachman. I'm the planting pastor here at Advent, Um, and we are in the midst of going through a three-week kind of short uh, sermon series called New Year's Rhythms. And last week we talked about uh, cultivating a rhythm uh, of Sabbath rest. Uh, this week we're going to be talking a little bit more about cultivating a rhythm of meeting together, of gathering together. And then next week we're going, to, we're going to finish with cultivating a rhythm of repentance. So what we're going to call putting off and putting on, which is the language that the Bible uses. And so uh, today as we... Um, talk a little bit more about gathering, I wanna begin uh, actually with, with kind of an illustration that one of my friends in college used to use. He used to talk about, he uh, was actually very, very anxious about making sure that he got a girlfriend before college was over, because kind of pre-online um, you know online dating and all of those sorts of things, he said, college was the perfect filter. Um, It was if you wanted to find uh, a spouse with the same social background as you, with the same educational background as you, um, uh, even perhaps how driven you were, you could determine all of those things within the context of college. College filters us into like people. There's quite a few like people at Rice when you walk around on campus, right? There's quite a few like people when you go to the University of Houston. Or, you know, somehow A&M gathers a bunch of people that like to say whoop and things like that, right? Uh, College gathers like people. But we might be filtered even more into like people, Through kind of more modern day algorithms, right? Like dating apps. Uh, We are stratified into like-minded groups based on our politics, based on the certain TV shows that we enjoy or the songs that we like on Spotify, our sports teams that we like, um, industries, etc. But as we are more and more stratified, we have actually become lonelier, More and more lonely over times and more isolated, which is news to absolutely no one over the last few years. So Acts, Acts chapter 2, which is going to be our passage this evening, it describes this sense of belonging that transcends anything that we might experience in that type of belonging that we long for in college, that type of belonging that you might have found in your CrossFit gym, that type of belonging that you might have found in your social media groups. What is exists here is far superior to any of that. So if y'all would turn with me now to Acts chapter 2 verses 42 to 47. And they and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Would y'all pray with me, Father? Um, I thank you that uh, that you do unite a disparate people. Um, a a segmented and isolated people. And so, Father, I pray as we look at this passage uh, together that you would unite us to you, um, that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see, Father, and that we might be changed um, as we encounter your word. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Um, Not quite at the very beginning of the Bible, but pretty close to it. In Genesis chapter 11, we, uh, we encounter a story called the Tower of Babel which is a story of disconnection, right? Mankind at that point in time is working together in their sin to build a tower to heaven. In their pride, they're seeking to build, uh, to build their way all the way to the heavenly realm. And um, they're ambitious and, and they want to know how much they can accomplish without God. So they're trying to do this. But God, in his mercy, he actually disorganizes them. He disconnects them by changing their communication. They no longer speak the same language and they no longer understand one another. They grow in confusion and distrust and they turn away from one another. The point is this that the rest of the scriptures and actually most of our experience helps to explain that we long to connect with one another in a disconnected world. We're disconnected by different languages, by different customs. And because of all of that, because we don't understand one another, oftentimes we come into relationships and into connection with one another with with suspicion, um, with the suspicion of one another. And throughout the scriptures, the suspicion of other people and the lack of unity, it jumps off the page. But our passage this evening tells a story of union that's brought about by God. And as we think about New Year's rhythms that we want to implement um, this year, how do we become a unified body here at Advent Houston? How do we become a unified body within our city amongst all of the people of God? Do we become more connected and unified through this shared, but maybe really vague, kind of altruistic sense of of unity? Like, this is the goal, we're going to go for it, let's be united? No, no. Our passage actually teaches us that we unite through our common union with Jesus, our common faith with Jesus. It's done by faith and submission to him. And so this evening, I want to talk about it in three ways. First, the unity that we have through the spirit. Second, the gathering that we do in fellowship. And third, evangelism that actually comes through community here. And so first, let's look at the unity through the spirit Well, the scriptures pick up this theme of unity that's brought about by the Holy Spirit actually earlier in in the Acts chapter. If we were to look back at the very beginning of Acts chapter 2, we would find the disciples, the the, the disciples who'd been following Jesus around everywhere, they're huddled in a room in Jerusalem together together. This is after Jesus has died. This is after Jesus has been resurrected and ascended and he's sitting with the right, on the, at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And the disciples are feeling alone and they're feeling afraid. But while the disciples are together in fear, Acts chapter 2 says that the Holy Spirit rushes in like a mighty wind and it indwells them. And the earliest disciples of Jesus are filled with the Holy Spirit. And they begin to hear one another in their own languages. Right? And at some point, uh, they, they finally leave the room. And they go out into the streets and the marketplaces of Jerusalem. And Peter begins to feel emboldened enough that he begins to pray. He begins to pray and preach publicly. Excuse me, preach publicly. Now there happen to be people know, from all over the world who are there in Jerusalem at this time. Um, Jerusalem is, is a lot like the city of Houston. People from all over the world continue, uh, continue to visit. It's a, it's sort of a hub city. And so all of these foreigners are walking through the streets of Jerusalem and, and they stop and they listen to Peter's sermon. And we might wonder, well, why? Is it because Peter is the greatest orator of all time? Well, I mean, maybe. We don't actually know. But the point of the passage isn't about his oratory skills or his preaching skills. They stop because they hear him in in their own language. They're like, wait, who's this dude in Jerusalem who's speaking my language? In this moment, the curse of Babel, the curse of Genesis chapter 11 is being reversed. Pentecost, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, is this reversal of that disconnection. That, that very initial disconnection that comes from not understanding one another. But it goes further. It's unbelievable and it's amazing. But although the attachment, or the detachment that comes through speaking different languages and coming from different cultures, although that has now ceased, these disparate people, they're still disconnected. Until the spirit does something more. It moves beyond this linguistic miracle. But praise God. Praise God the words that these people hear in their own language. Actually they begin to hear in their very hearts. Because all that they have longed for has become true in Jesus Christ. They're united, yes, through their language. But now they're united through their longings. They're united through their hope. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, that day, 3,000 of them, and that was likely just the men that were counted there, so likely more than this, have come to know Jesus Christ. This unity of speaking, the same language in the Spirit, leads to a unity of Spirit that has come in Jesus. And it's with this amazing conversion that we pick up in verse 42, what's going on in our passage. We find the they that it refers to, right? It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Well, who is the they that it's talking about? Well, it's now talking about all of the disciples of Jesus, not just the initial disciples who were huddled in the room in Jerusalem, but also now the 3,000 disciples who just came to follow Jesus Christ. It's talking about them. And what now begins to happen is this disparate people, these people who have very little in common, that, that algorithms never would have put together are now being brought together by the Holy Spirit. This unity that they now have is what we pick up on. Most of these people have, they, like I said, they have, they have little in common. They're from different languages, different nationalities, different backgrounds. But the Spirit has broken through. The real miracle here is the fact that through the Holy Spirit, these people have become brothers and sisters in Christ. And to, I pray that that would also be true of Advent. I pray that people would look at us as a church and be like, I don't understand how these people are are the way that they are toward one another. What is it that binds them together? May it not be the fact that we that we look alike, may it not be the fact that we all like root for the same sports teams or that we all like the same things, but may it be because We love Jesus and we know of His love for us. So, these people, with different customs, different socioeconomic backgrounds, they have found the strongest unity. They're united in the Spirit. They're united as the Holy Spirit indwells them. They're united in common faith and in common uh, and in union with Christ. And that is the depth of unity that is offered to us, even. Whether we come from different social tables in the cafeteria, whether we come uh, from different educational backgrounds or political affiliations, our common faith unites us far more than any of those other things might. Any of those things that disconnects us. Our common savior unites us. And if you don't know what you think about Jesus this evening, the beauty of the passage um, is teaching us that, that there is a family there is a place of belonging that is far greater than anything that you could hope for. Far greater than anything that you might find out in the world. It's greater than belonging to a wine club. It's greater than, than, than fellowship and friendship that's developed at CrossFit. It's deeper than your residential college or your social clubs at work. And it, it's more inclusive and hospitable than any other group or identity that you might hope to belong We're united in the family of God through the Holy Spirit by our common faith in Jesus Christ, our reliance upon him. Okay, so so what does that actually mean now about how we live? Because that's a whole lot of what this passage is about, right? About how they they lived. Well, let's look at the second point, the gathering and fellowship. Luke tells us that these new believers, they changed the way that they lived because of this newfound unity. Whatever their paid jobs, whatever their commitments, we learn that they devoted themselves to the teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers, as it says. Well, what does that mean? A lot of times people look at this passage and they're like, well, this is, this is just describing the idyllic community. And if we could just get back to doing things the way that they did it then, then everything in the church would be better. Or if we could just get back to the way it was in the early church, maybe not even here, but like maybe a a hundred years after that, it still would be better. But what's so amazing about this passage and the the point of this passage is that this spirit-filled, united people do some of the most ordinary things in the midst of their unity. After they've heard Peter's preaching, they continue to meet together. Prioritizing time with one another. It says that they devoted themselves to the teaching, meaning the readings of the Old Testament, because remember, they wouldn't have had the New Testament written at this point in time. So it's the readings of the Old Testament plus. The teachings of the apostles, those who had actually walked with Jesus, who had heard him talk. And so they're hearing testimonies of what had happened, what, what Jesus was like, and what he has done for them. In the midst of reading through the Old Testament scriptures, they were devoted to the teachings. What about the fellowship? Well, the fellowship here is not just some arbitrary goal of sentimental togetherness. Um, That's not what's being talked about. The fellowship here was encapsulated in two things. The prayers and the breaking of bread. They came together around the Lord's table to celebrate communion together. Which back then would have likely also included another meal together. So there's, there's both the communion of the Lord's table and the hospitality of eating together in one another's homes. But beyond that, there's also the prayers, which would have been prayers that they had learned to recite at that point in time, but also just gathering together as a people to pray, to pray for one another, to pray for the Spirit's work in the world. This should not sound earth-shattering, because it isn't. But by devoting themselves to learning more about Jesus, to spending time together, to praying, and to taking the Lord's Supper... They are practicing and growing in unity. They become more and more bound to one another. These simple ways brought uh, brought them further into unity together. But the point was unity was not their goal. They didn't make unity their goal because if you make unity the goal, you will always miss it. The goal wasn't unity. The goal was Jesus Christ. And as that was a common goal that bound them together in unity, it was Jesus' sacrificial love that led to an outflowing of sacrificial love that they had to one another. Which, guess what? That begins to lead to even more unity. It says in verse 44 and in verse 45, these are more of the controversial verses of this passage. It says that they held everything in common and they helped one another as they had need. And a lot of times we look at this passage and we're asking questions like, okay, well, isn't this just sort of like advocating socialism? Or is this about some sort of new economic trend that all Christians are supposed to be on? Well, that's, that's not what this is about. It's about their hearts, that their union and their love for one another was so strong that as any in their community had need, they didn't consider their own possessions to be their own possessions. They sold them to provide for any in their community that had need. These people who had grown up in a completely different and foreign land, who had spoken a different language, they're saying, you know what? I don't need this oil any longer. I'm going to sell it and to provide for my brother and sister in Christ who needs the money, who needs maybe physical care, whatever it might be. They were so focused on providing for one another that they were willing to sell their possessions to be in connection with each other. And it's their love and their unity that begins to grow here. So as we enter this new year, where we're trying to kind of reimagine what our lives are supposed to look like, may we resolve to unite together like this to devote yourself to coming together to worship to devote yourself uh, to participating in, in a parish group and if you don't know what that is let's talk a little bit more about about it afterward to devote yourself to serving one another and with one another and it may sound like i'm saying that you need to do too much all right, I can see maybe some of you already like tuning me out because you're like, oh, this is too much. I'm not going to do that. And so I'm already moving on in my brain to the NFL playoff games later. Or maybe some of you are a little more type A and you're thinking, all right, I see what he's saying. I'm going to add this to my calendar, but I'm looking at my calendar and I don't know how any of it's going to fit. And I don't know, 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 you know, and you're already getting that anxious feeling of I can't add anymore to what I'm doing. let me pause here because what I'm asking us to do is not to add so much to our calendar, but rather to reimagine our weekly rhythm to where we're just, we're prioritizing coming to worship. We're prioritizing getting together once a week. We're prioritizing praying together. There's a lot of simple ways that we want to make that accessible to us. Our our weekly prayer is on Tuesday mornings. You don't even need to come together. We don't actually do that all the time in person. Um, you can join us virtually to pray on Tuesday mornings. We'd love for you to join us or, or find other avenues to pray together. One of my mentors used to talk about it this way. He said that you know, if we imagine the week in 21 uh, kind of time blocks, right? seven days a week, you have morning, afternoon, and evening. Each one is a time block. That what what I'm talking about here is is re-evaluating our lives with maybe two or three time blocks according to that week. Worship, gathering together in another's home for a parish group, and finding time to pray or serve together. Prioritize relationships with one another. Don't let it add to the anxiety that you might be feeling, but just reimagine. The point is this that we want to feel connected. And oftentimes, when we make that the goal, we miss. But when we make the goal, Jesus Christ, and growing together in faith in him, we will have unity together. We will have togetherness. But not only that, it actually is also a beautiful witness to the world as well. And that's our third point, that we get evangelism through this community. It says in verse 47 that the Lord added to the number day by day those who were being saved. And the first few times I read through this passage, I kind of all read it the same way. of Like, oh yeah, okay, Peter preached again. And, you know, thousands of people came to know Jesus. And this was the pattern that was going on here. Um, The Lord was adding to their number. But no, that's actually not what was happening. The initial 3,000, yes, that 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 can be attributed to the spirit's work through peter's preaching but luke is attributing the number growing actually to people looking on to this community and seeing how beautiful that it is it's this community that is selfless that is loving that is wholly different that is attracting people to it because they're saying well this is so different This God who sacrificed himself and who calls others to follow me by sacrificing of themselves and loving others. I don't understand this. I need to know more. Because it's attractive. It's it's incredibly attractive. And it's what we believe. And because of that, their numbers grew. It didn't happen through church growth strategies. It didn't happen um, through the best music or the best facilities. Through programs or amazing events. No, it it happened because of their community's sacrificial love for one another. Through their devotion to the teaching and to the meeting together. When I was uh, in elementary school, I remember having my mind blown by one of the science experiments that was done right in front of me. Um, I had no idea that you could magnetize things that were not magnetized. And I thought that that was amazing. You could take a piece of iron and rub a magnet on it. And all of a sudden that piece of iron is now magnetized, at least for a little while. And so my point is this, that Nothing about that iron has actually changed in its physicality, but rather the magnetism has affected it and it has changed it. And that is what is going on here in this community. Nothing about them has changed. They're not a wholly different people than they were before, but they are now a magnetic people because they're filled by the Holy Spirit and they're loving one another with that spirit magnetism. It's drawing others to faith in Jesus, And this group that is so united is also always open, and it's welcoming and expanding its numbers. This isn't a closed community, right, like we would find in any number of our clubs, um, like oftentimes the cafeteria lunch tables are. I know this is an open community, to completely different people. Um, some of you all know yesterday there was a new coffee shop that opened up in Rice Village um, called Biddy and Bose. Uh, and uh, Biddy and Bose is, is a, a different kind of coffee shop because its commitment is to valuing and accepting and including people with disabilities in every community. And they live out this commitment by hiring employees with intellectual or developmental disabilities. So, Juliana, my wife, and, and two of my girls went to the opening yesterday, and they um, and got to see several people there who were re- wearing a t-shirt that said radically inclusive. And whether or not their goal um, by wearing those t-shirts was to kind of proclaim the radical inclusivity that exists uh, for, for Christians, the point is this, that we should all be wearing a similar type of t-shirt because the church is radically inclusive. No matter who you are, no matter what you have done, no matter where you come from, no matter what language you speak, the church is for you. We've often maybe heard it said that the church is a hospital for people who need to be made well. And that's all of us. And Jesus is the great physician who is making us all well. May the church be that radically inclusive place. May Advent be that radically inclusive place. May we be a place that supports one another, that serves one another, and that because of all of that, that others would look upon us and see this attractive, radically inclusive community that has common love for a savior who is radically inclusive and loving toward us, right? Let me conclude with this. As I said last week, we talked about prioritizing rest, and, and this week we're talking about prioritizing gathering together and meeting together. Um, we're learning uh, from the scriptures um, what it means when it says, you know, that we're to to sit under uh, the teaching of the apostles and we're supposed to meet together in the Holy Spirit. Well, may we do all of this, not because we need to add new things to our our to-do list or not because it's just the right thing to do, but may we do it because the Lord calls us to do it. And we do it because the one who loves you first calls you into this, that this is right and good for you. What is so earth shattering about this new community that we see here in the scriptures? Well, it's that nothing earth shattering is seemingly happening. It's that it's a community that's bound together by a sinful people. Uh, It's a sinful people bound together by our common faith in Jesus Christ doing pretty ordinary things. But through that, our magnificent God is magnetizing it in our union with one another and in evangelism to the world. Would y'all pray with me to that end? Our God and Father, we thank you. Um, I, thank you for, I thank you for this community. I thank you for the love that you've already established here in just so, such a short amount of time that we as Advent have existed and, Lord, I pray not just for our love for one another, but also our love, um, even as Hiju prayed earlier, uh, our connection to, to your church um, throughout the city of Houston, throughout the world. May we be bound together in love and in unity together because of our love for you and because of your love for us. Lord, I thank you. And I pray for any who are here this evening and who don't know what they think about Jesus. Lord, may they find that maybe even here at Advent that they belong, um, no matter what they believe. May we be a people who welcome them as you have welcomed us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.